especially if you go early. If they don't hit their milestone in the next round, the founder comes to you and says, look, we messed up, okay? There was XYZ, there was this, there was that, there was an earthquake. We had one company say, look, we were attacked by pirates. Literally, there was a company that was doing, it was a consumer product. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. This is the second part of my conversation with venture capitalist Hataf Ansari. In this episode, he shares what happens when founders cannot deliver the results that they promised. To get more context, I would highly recommend you listen to the part one of this episode that I published in July 2020. Without any further ado, let's get into it. So, Hataf, we were talking about last time in the part one of this episode, what are the things as a VC you look for in a startup or in a founder? Then we used to look at obviously market size. Yeah, we used to look absolutely. at we used to look at um, where is this guy going to sell? In Precise, market, precisely, yeah. precisely. So if you're number one in New Zealand, you're still nothing, right? So we are not going to get thousand percent return. I mean, you've had outliers like Trade Me. You've had outliers yeah. where you have gotten really big because the market was big enough. But for most industries, especially uh, if you're operating out of New Zealand, you're probably better off targeting a niche industry. So what we used to have a preference for. Target your niche, go global. You want to be 100%. you want to be your global niche, yeah. but how will you get there? Okay, do you have a plan in place? Your plan will change, but what's your plan? Is yeah. it a well thought out plan? So again, market size. Mm-hmm. What's the plan? Who's with you? Yeah. We used to look at your cap table. We used to yeah. look at how much funding do you require? What valuation are you raising at? You know, how are you gonna? So if if someone gets diluted really early, yes. then you're never going to be a global business. Yeah. Because you've given away your equity upfront. Yeah. So again, that's something that we would not be super enthusiastic about. We would look at, you know, who your board is. We would look at what your financial plan is. We yes. used to go talk to your customers. We mm. used to see. So you might think that I'm at product market fit. We would go talk to your customers and say, are you guys actually product market fit? We would have our own yes. opinion. So we would yes. listen to founders. But eventually, essentially what we're doing is yes. we're trying to figure out do we have all the metrics in place for the investment proposition to stack up? So our investment thesis, why are you investing? Yes. How long are we investing for? Is this the right industry to back? What's your competitor landscape looking like? Who are you competing against? Is your plan realistic? What do we need to believe? Yeah. So you, because again, we have to believe in you. The earlier we yeah. come, we have to believe. What do we need to believe? The more outlandish yes. it is, the less likely we are to back you. Yeah. And there were times where we had let's say there were times where we had two, three companies doing the same thing approach to us at the same yes. time. At that point, we would look at who's further along in the journey. What price are they raising at? Who's got a better chance of success? We yeah. would make that call um, behind the scenes stage, yeah. at that stage. And then we would, you know, so when we used to write up our case, so we would talk about all these things, yeah. you know, how much are we raising? And we had opinions. So yeah. whenever we made a first, so the first investment, always the hardest investment to get. Yeah. But if we've backed a company, and this is how most funds think, when you've yeah. backed a company, the first check is the hardest to get, and it's the yeah. smallest one. It's the smallest, yeah. But it's the hardest to get because what we would do is we would have a thesis internally. Yes. We would be like, okay, because we would never back someone for just one round. Yeah. Our thesis is we need to keep backing you until you're successful. Either we help you get yes. the additional money or we invest in you ourselves. Yeah. So from that perspective... 
from that perspective, the first check was always the hardest to get. But internally, we would decide what metrics we need to see when you see you next time. Okay, for example, we might internally agree that their biggest challenge is actually customer acquisition. Or the customer acquisition we feel is too expensive for this specific industry. We'll give them some money now. Next time around, we have an internal thesis as to what this might look like. If that, but that's, that could be a red flag for us. Then the next time you come around and you, and we, and it shows that we, our concerns were accurate. Yes. Then we challenge you on it. We say, what brand here? And you can say, oh, there was a pivot. There was this, there was that. And then what we do is revisit the thesis and say, yes. does the thesis hold? Yeah. And if everything's worked out, yeah. then we go bigger next time. And then we go bigger next time and then bigger next time. Yeah. And every additional money is actually easier to get. The first one is always the hardest to get. And uh, yeah, so these are some of the things we would look at. And uh, this was how we used to build a portfolio. Yeah, in, in essence, like, you know, nuts and bolts. And at different industries, you're looking for different things. So yeah. if you have a biotech industry, you know, you're... So at every stage of the company, the other thing you need to keep in mind is you need to raise enough money. So what you're yeah. typically doing, when I say raise enough, what does that mean? Well, that typically means is when you come back to a VC... Because VCs yeah. look at stuff. It's the same investment, right? So when yeah. I look at a company super early stage, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm imagining, can this company could, could this company be a, a billion dollars in a few years' time? So that's my initial thesis. Mm-hmm. I have a thesis. Could be these are the risks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Could you be a billion dollars in, say, 10 years' time? Mm-hmm. So when you come to me next year for money, mm-hmm. my thesis doesn't change, ideally, unless you've pivoted. Yes. But my thesis is the same. I'm still assuming, are you going to be that billion-dollar company? I revisit my thesis. But then I see what have you done so far. Mm-hmm. So essentially, my prize, you're still, in my eyes, still a billion-dollar company. But if you've used money and you've spent one year, my question is, what have you done in that one year? And the reason what I'm looking for is I'm looking for milestones. And what is milestones? Founders are told, hit your KPIs, hit your milestones. But from an investor perspective, mm-hmm. what milestones is doing is it's de-risking the company. So every mm-hmm. investment is risk and return. Yeah. So in my eyes, my return is still a, a billion. It's not changed. The yeah. end result is the same. But if I'm investing in you again and your valuation is now higher, the only way I would agree to pay a higher valuation is if you are now a less risky company. So if you don't raise enough money, right? So if you, for example, need half a million dollars to build a product yes. and then get customers on that product, yeah. but rather than raise half a million, you raise 250 and you've just built the product. Yes. You've still not got customers for it. So you have 250 from me at a valuation and you come back to me and say, now my valuation is higher because I didn't have a product before. Now I have the product. No, your riskiness is the same because your product is unproven. You just have a product which we don't, we don't know as VCs that work or not. So what you've done is you have brought, raised enough money to actually de-risk your company. De-risking a company is essentially in a nuts, nuts and bolts is answering my, answering the different questions to my thesis and the different challenges. When you come back to me, if you come back to me and say, look, you know, in my initial thesis, you could say, I think I'm going to attract large corporates. They're going to be my yeah. customers in the, in the initial stage. You come back to me one year from now and you say, look, I did everything, but I didn't do the sales yet. So I still don't have large customers. Are your, are your customers or not? Because there's no proof to it. There is nothing. There's no pilot, yeah. nothing. So in my eyes, you're still early stage. You've still, you've wasted a million dollars because you've still not proven to me, given yeah. me enough evidence that you are now a less risky company. The so risk that, profile is still the same. Yeah, so so, yeah. so I, like a lot of people, you know, get really fuzzy about what they're looking for. I'm yes. looking for this, I'm looking for KPIs, I'm looking for revenue, I'm looking for this, yes. I'm looking for that. 
but that's just the mandate that the funds given them. Yes. What essentially VCs are looking for is they say, look, I'm comfortable investing in a certain risk profile. Yes, 100%. All these yeah. things inform what the risk profile is. And I will give you more money if you are a less risky proposition. Or if you come back to me and ask for a higher valuation, you'll not get it. Because in my mm-hmm. eyes, because my opinion, again, future is always an opinion, right? Yes. So my opinion was that you're a billion dollars. Now you've come back to me with all this yes. traction. Stuff. And now my opinion is, you know, you know, you're actually 500 million. Yeah. Based on the based on what competitors have done, based on how the markets moved, yeah. based on what the economic landscapes like. So even though you may have hit all my milestones, but because my opinion of your company has gone down, I might not give you a good valuation. So that's why in New Zealand you often don't get good valuations, and that's yeah. because the size of the market here is not too big. So your prize is not that big, and VCs in this yeah. market, there is no rational reason for them to think you'll ever be big in the U.S. Right? So rationally. You 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 could you could chance your way, mm-hmm. but if you come to me and say, "Look, I have no networks in the U.S. I have not done any advertising in the U.S. I have not done any selling in the U.S. I have no yes. customer person in the U.S." But trust me, I'll be a billion dollar business based in the U.S. one day. <laughs> then it's just dreaming. I know it's, yeah. it's it's not dreaming. It's a, a lot of them can because as a founder, yes. you find a way, so you yeah. can do it. But it's just you know from a VC perspective, a New Zealand mm-hmm. VC perspective, you're like, okay, how how are you, how will you do it based on the information i have today you know i don't have anything which proves to me that this will happen so which means the founder is saying take a bet that i will make it happen one day that's a bet that's not an investment so that's just some of but the flip side some angels do take those bets yeah exactly so but you need to just know you need to differentiate between who you're raising from yes absolutely no so there are and i think it's very very important it's very important for these angels that take bets yeah. These angels that are very important to this ecosystem, I think. Yes. Because, yes. you know, and because when we were at WIF, we were told to do, you know, yes. this is your mandate. And so we had to go yes. by the mandate. So in New Zealand, there's a, there was, I think, 100 plus million in early stage capital. A lot of them are angels. They back people really yes. early. Lots of angel funds. So, so back then. Back also then. individual angels as well as angel funds. Yeah. And it's only grown since back then. Yeah, in the yeah. last two years. Yeah. So New yeah. Zealand, you know, does really early stage angel funding well, yeah. I think, um, globally. So as, as, as just as, as a VC, because yeah. as a VC, angels are investing their own money. But if yes. you're a VC, you are actually accountable for this money. Yeah. You're ac- accountable um, for this. Some angels are like a fund. They would have 200 angels behind them. And as a fund, then they will go and invest in 10 startups or 12 startups or yeah. something like that. Yeah, so that angel fund will have its own criteria. I, I agree. Yes. So if someone's managing that fund, they're mm-hmm. answerable to those specific those angels. Those specific, yes, who, angels and partners. And, who are basically yes. backing them. But as, as you know, as, as a general rule, yes. angels are investing their, their, their own money. They're not answerable. They can do what yes. they want. They yeah. don't have to follow a process, a procedure. Yeah. They can invest in you because they like you. They can invest in certain industries. They're doing yes. it for fun, most of them, okay, other than some professional angels. Yeah. But when you have the title VC attached, you're a professional investor managing other people's money. Absolutely. And this, because of this reason, you need to have a professional process as to why you're investing, how you're investing. Mm-hmm. You need to, nuts and bolts, you know, just essentially you need to have an investment thesis. Yes. And all the things I told you about founder yes. and this and that and cap table and yeah. legal and IP and patents yeah. and uh, market size. This is all informing the investment thesis yeah. Yeah. to figure out what the price is. And then do a risk, you know, 
Is this too risky? And then what other opportunities are there? So it could be that you're in a really bad year. With, you know, it could be a year where there are lots of genius founders asking yes. money from VCs. Yes. And you could be an above-average founder. But because in this specific year, all the good founders have approached, VCs will back the idea that they think has most merit yeah. or the ones that they can add value to, that they can de-risk essentially. So if you are a, 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 a biotech VC, a specialist yeah. VC, you say, I'm only going to invest in biotech. Why? Because you have the networks in biotech. What you're doing is essentially is de-risking the investment for yourself. Yeah. So you might go earlier because you know what? You have the uh, relevant networks to de-risk that investment. If you are a industry agnostic VC and you're just a check, a, yes. a blank check, yes. you're not really adding any value. You can't de-risk the investment. So if all investments are risk and return, mm-hmm. you can't influence the the return, you can't influence the risk. So you're just yeah. a blank check in. Essentially, that's how, that's how as a founder, that's how you need to vet VCs, you know, vet them based on who's giving you money, right? If you have professional investors putting money in you, that means that there's some credibility behind you. If you're backed by angels, just mm-hmm. figure out which angels are the influential angels. Why have you been backed? Yeah, and there are all, all different types of funds. Going oh, on. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All different types of fund, different strategies. I know of a fund in the U.S., which is a B2C fund. So the guy, I think, was an ex-Wharton uh, professor. He's invested yeah. in four unicorns. Yeah. All of them are B2C, business to consumer, and he was the chair of marketing. B2C is so hard. Yeah, it's it very hard. It is so hard. The customer acquisition, the user engagement, those things are so hard to get. So this specific guy yeah. has backed four different companies yep. doing B2C, and because he was the chair of marketing at Wharton, he has the credibility with all the retail networks in the US. Yes. So he now has a fund which just is B2C. Because he says, if you're B2C, come to me. I have the relationships. I have the contacts. I have the credibility. If I put my name on this behind you and I get the marketing behind you, and I can even get big brands to collaborate with you on day one, you know? So what's it doing? It's de-risking the investment for you. So... um, No, that's great. That's very, very good. I have got a couple of quick questions. Just as a VC, what was the hardest part of your job? Hardest part? So there were lots of... So it was an awesome job. Uh, let's start off there. Or even as an investor, what's the hardest part of the job? Hardest part Whether is it's saying no. Or, it's yeah. saying no to some really, really smart, brilliant people, passionate people, yes. especially people who have, I can, you know, you meet them and you can see that this guy will go to the ends of the earth to make this company work. And they've, they're committed, they're smart, they're passionate. And I basically go do the numbers and I say, you know what? I'm not going to get 10x on this. I might get 5x on this, 6x on this, yes. right? And I communicate this to the founder and I say, look, we're, we're going to pass. Even though 5x in his eyes, in the founder's mm-hmm. eyes, 5x return is not bad. It's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. It's, yeah. it's fine. It's 5x return. Yeah. I say, yeah, but it's not 10x. Yeah. And communicating to them, sorry, it's a no for me, based on, obviously, I could not decline a deal. It was investment community decision yes. but saying the no's because some of the founders because you really feel for these people some really really passionate people come up to you and say this is my dream this is my passion yes. i've put everything into this blood sweat tear and if you back me this will be the big break i need and you go and say oh i'm sorry i can't they're like what the fuck yeah. you know you've yeah. not worked because again i did not get into vc because i sold uh, exited yeah. a company i got into vc because i managed to luck my way in, in, in yeah. a nutshell so for me, it really used to feel really bad saying yeah. no to founders. There's a lot of... So that was very, very tough. The other tough things 
Again, I think managing conflicts. So there were mm. times to, so if you've backed a company already, and the company's not met its milestones for some reason. Mm. For some reason, the company did not do what it set out to do. Which is going to happen. And I'm sure that's very common because I have been involved in startups in yep. the past where that has happened and they yep. have to go and face the investors. So yes, yeah. how did you deal with that? What happened in so, those scenarios? So we, were, we had many, many, many scenarios like that. When I first joined, it was really easy because there was no emotional connection. Because when I first joined, we had lots of previous you know, legacy companies. Yeah. Saying no to them was easier because there was no connection. But then there were companies that we had personally led Right when we were involved, because again, when we invest in a company, we've done a lot of analysis and we we're really believing in the founder, especially if you go early. They don't hit their milestone the next round. And the founder comes to you and says, "Look, we messed up. Okay, yeah. there was X, Y, Z. There was this. There was that. There was an earthquake. We had one company say, "Look, we were attacked by pirates." Literally, there was a company that was doing. It was a consumer product. They yeah. were, I think, it was pirates or something, or something was stolen. Yeah. From there, like we, this got stuff got stolen, and we have this much product missing. Don't worry, we have insurance. Were Back they us. working in like northern Africa or something? No, they, they they basically had sold, I think, some products to somewhere in the Caribbean or something. Yeah. Again, my memory escapes me. Yeah. I don't want to name the company. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Just for content. So we had incidents, yeah. and we we're like, back us, trust yeah. us. You know, this was this was a fluke. Give us more money. Yeah, and I would, you know, as a as a, someone who is professional, would go back and say, "Are you a less risky proposition than last time?" Yeah. If the answer is no. Then why would I not invest in other companies? So again, this was our mandate. We were yeah. told by government to back the best companies, the ones yes. out of success. Other funds, you know, would probably not do this because if you have a narrower portfolio, you are a partner to the firms. You are a really yeah. strong partner to the firms, so you will help them. It just it depends on if you're hands on or hands off. But those situations were very painful, where you yeah. were like, sorry, man, we're going to back that company <laughs> yeah. because that company's actually hit their milestones. We're not going to back you. So the founder would be really upset, as you can imagine. Yeah. And there is no easy way to do it. It's just you have to show empathy. You have to sit down. You have to have a chat. And I think it was really good because I was never the, de the decision maker. I yeah. was just the bearer of bad yeah, news. Just the messenger. So, yeah. so I was the messenger. So that played out. I think that uh, that was good. Yes. But no, it's it's painful. Like you yeah. feel it, you empathize with the founder. So that's yeah. not a not, not that's a not a pleasant not, conversation not, or experience. Not a not a not a pleasant conversation. And there have been times where we've not backed a company and they've proven mm -hmm. us wrong, right? They've proven us wrong, and they've been like, you know what? We're not going to give you a chance to invest again. There've yeah. been incidents like that too, because mm -hmm. no one can predict the future, and you know, no one can. So there have been those. Uh, issues as well and as as a government entity because we were yes. government i used to get people you know coming up to me and saying you know this is government money what do you have to lose why why are you being so stingy why are you doing yeah. this why are you doing that so yeah. maybe that was a political part of the job but again that was part of the job so i yeah. had to manage all of that but it, it doesn't matter even if it's not government it's Someone else's money. As a yeah, VC, precisely. Someone else's money. Someone else's precisely. money that you are in charge of being a good shepherd or a good guardian of it. Yeah. So, yeah, you yeah. still have to use yeah. good reserves. Yeah, but yeah. it's just like, in my, in my opinion, it was a thankless job. <laughs> because <laughs> because uh, regular VCs actually get compensated by carry and stuff. Yes. Yes, so, but it was it was very very rewarding. It was yeah. like it made me learn so much. It made me empathize with founders. It yeah. made me see what can go wrong. You know, yeah. companies going really well. 
how it can suddenly go wrong and how companies yeah. doing really badly suddenly you do a pivot and boom you know someone else funds you and boom like you're on your way and then yeah. and then you you hate us for not backing you so no that is that is all really really good very insightful having this chat with you there's just three things that i ask like all my guests and that's like what is one book that you recommend or that you are reading right now so i'm not unfortunately i'm not reading any book right now yeah. i i should two really good books that come to mind yeah is one is randy commissar straight talk for startups 100 rules on how to make cool. it in silicon yeah so randy is one of you know one of the smartest people i've met very very smart guy so i totally yeah. he is ex partner at kleiner perkins really recommend you read that book cool. and and the other book is obviously peter thiel's 0 uh, to 1 yeah, so yeah. that's a book that i think i think all founders should read all founders should read it just yeah. just to get a view on how how entrepreneurship and i you know founders teach me stuff every day so yeah so not that's great and then the second one is any podcast or youtube channel or anything that you recommend mm. any other media that you consume oh, can't think of anything right now yeah no not, that's not for podcast yeah and if you had unlimited time resources money where would you invest it in where would i invest it yeah well i want to be in vc yeah. if i had unlimited resources i would want to have a vc with unlimited money and i would invest it trying to find the best founders we're going to change the world and just partner up with them early on yeah. Yeah. and just trying to support them trying to help them out trying to yeah build them up and have yeah. the connections and everything pretty That, much yeah because you know i really really enjoy working with founders i really yeah. i really find the whole you know someone coming because there are two types of founders you have founders which are there to make money and then there are founders which is fine Yeah because VCs want to make money and then there are yeah. people who are trying to change the world. So I want to find those people who are trying to change the world because they inspire me and you know they make my life because I've met a few of them while working yeah. at Viff. And yeah so I just want to keep close to those people and just you know make those connections and yeah just that's that's really really good. <laughs> so if you do want to make those connections so my last question where do people find you and I... what is your ask um is is there anything you're looking for just in case if someone is watching and listening <laughs> so you can you know just find me on linkedin hatif ansari yeah. so yeah. if you just send me a connection on request on linkedin i accept everybody and you can just send me a, a message and so before i was a vc yes i was actually very stingy with connecting with random yes. people on linkedin i was very stingy with helping people randomly but the way i got into vc myself was because someone took a chance on me someone yeah. i reached out to cold yes. on linkedin yes. asked for a coffee this is a very powerful person very well respected connected person he said why not and he was it, it was his way of giving back and since then because of that goodwill i have now really want to give back yeah. to the ecosystem and i really take meetings with everybody that's great and i connect with everybody so if you have you know if you want to connect if you want to talk if you want to chat reach out to me on linkedin and just yeah. send me a message and i'll try to be as helpful as i can that's great so yes i'll put the links down in the description of this um podcast or youtube or wherever you are watching or listening this thank you so much hatha for your time i'm sure this is very very valuable to a lot of people <laughs> thank you i hope so thank, thank you. you thank you so much for listening to this episode of want money 
got money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.